You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast, Week 16 edition, and the second one of the new name, the Chicago Audible. And I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, and I'm joined by my spectacular, and I don't think that was the word that I agreed on using to introduce my co-host, Brandon Hazlett. Brandon, what what did I just say? Superb? Uh, Spectacular? No, I just sensational, sensational, all these... Great S words. <laughs> it, it still oh, wow. works because they all apply to you, Brandon. <laughs> but uh, hey, I wasn't able to talk to you about the Bears clinching the NFC North after defeating the Packers twenty four to seventeen because I was actually at the game. So, Brandon, what I mean, what does it feel like? It, it's been eight years since the Bears have clinched the North. How does it feel to be fan of the NFC North champion, Chicago Bears? Feels great. Doesn't it feel great? I can't imagine. I wasn't with you at the game. Like, I would have much rather, I think, been at the game. Just that would have been a great atmosphere to be a part of. You know, I, I was actually more jealous of you than uh, you not being able to join the podcast. You know, I would have loved to have been there, Fed. That would have been so much fun. Yeah, so I, I tweeted out um, right when that happened, after that the Bears clinched, um, or somewhere maybe later after the game, that just being there, and I was at the last two playoff games in 2010 when they beat the Seahawks and then lost to the Packers in the NFC Championship game, and just being there, even though the Packers weren't very good, you know, going 5-7-1, going into that game against the Bears, just the atmosphere was so reminiscent of those two playoff games that I was at. Just the electricity and Soldier Field. It's back, Brandon. It's back, and it's so amazing that the Bears are, are back in a playoff team. It's so exciting, and we I don't think this was something that any of us, most people, fans, national media people would have even expected from the Bears just with everything that went on this past offseason, but I'm so glad it did because we're go- oh, there's yes. playoff. There's playoff tickets are going to be on sale tomorrow. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. But, Brandon, I'm also excited for all the great questions that we got for tonight's audio mailbag. Are you ready to just get right in into it? Yeah, let's do it, do it. Let's do it, Brandon. And our first question tonight comes from a fan from Kentucky. Here's the question. Hey, fellas, Jake from Kentucky here. I just had a quick question on um, the Bears seeding in the playoffs. I know a lot of people are looking at the Saints with a pretty rough schedule at the end of the season and the Rams also with now three losses. If we're able to win out and somehow sneak into a second seed or possibly even a first seed if everything falls the right way, would that necessarily be something that we want? Because, I mean, we would get – home field advantage throughout the playoffs, but at the same time, the Bears off of bye weeks have been pretty awful. It seems that we there's a lot to be fixed on a, on bye week breaks, um, such as the 
the Giants and, you know, coming off the bye week with, I believe it was uh, Miami, possibly. Yeah, Miami. So just wanted to see what you all thought of that, thought if a first-round bye would be a good thing for the Bears or um, should we just keep this momentum rolling like Trey Burton had mentioned earlier in the year versus Miami hating the bye week. All right, thanks. Jake, that's an interesting question, especially considering what you mentioned in the question about how the Bears have done coming off of buys. But honestly, when I look at this, the Bears would absolutely want a first round buy. Look, look at the key, look at the key players that are currently injured right now for the Bears. You have Eddie Jackson who just sprained his ankle against the Packers. Kyle Long is, you know, slowly coming back. You have Aaron Lynch who also got injured in that game against the Packers, and you know. Bryce Callahan hasn't officially been eliminated for the season yet. It hasn't uh, season ending. So you never know with him. But this is uh, a chance for the Bears. If they are, you know, able to win out and then have the Rams or the Saints, you know, falter in the end of the season, which they've showed that they're not um, as dominant as they were in the beginning of the season, this, this Bears team is going to absolutely want this first-round bye. It's still a first-year head coach and a second-year quarterback. And I'll take more time... Uh, for them to prepare for you know any opponent with a first round bye than being scared of a possible layoff, and you gotta also think with the layoffs that you mentioned uh, against Miami and the Giants. Uh, the Miami was the bye, and then they had that long extended week because of the Thanksgiving game uh, against the Giants the following week, which they end up losing. They lost both of those games. Both of those games were on the road, so essentially, if the Bears get a first round bye, that means they'll be playing at home. The Bears are a completely different team at home, so that's why if the Bears have an opportunity, they should definitely you know want to get this first round by, and they're going to play for that because again at home more time to prepare, get these players that are injured currently injured a little a uh, little more time to get healthy. I think that's absolutely the route that the Bears want to go. I know they've had, even going into last season, they haven't been good off the bye. I think it was that Packers game last year at home where they just stunk it up against a Brett Hundley-led <laughs> Packers team. But completely different team, new mindset, and there's just a lot of benefits for the Bears if they were to get a first-round bye. So absolutely go and play for it. What are your thoughts on this, Brandon? I know, like I mentioned, they've had their struggles, but what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I initially wanted to play devil's advocate just because that's something I haven't done in a while. Uh, but you make up a, a really good point about both those games that they lost uh, after the long spirit, long extended period of time being on the road, uh, both those being losses on the road. I think being at home plays a much bigger advantage uh, to that if they can manage to sneak into the, the bye week uh, around there. Uh, so I, I agree with you. It buys more time for the guys to get injured. Uh, the home field advantage is is huge. Uh, and I don't think you see that same kind of uh, team that we've seen against the Giants and the Dolphins on the road after a bye week. I think uh, at home, because there's a little bit more familiarity, uh, you're not in a hotel that you're unfamiliar with in a different time zone, things of that nature. So there's a lot of things going for you at home uh, that you know some people may not you know think about. The commute's going to be the same. Uh, you don't have to go practice at a different field or anything like that. I mean, it, there's a lot of things that play uh, in the Bears' favor if they manage to get into this uh this bye week round, and I, I hope that they continue to play for it and fight for it until it gets locked up, uh, either by them or by somebody else, because I think that there's a lot more advantages to having that bye week uh, rather than trying to stay hot 
uh, throughout the the wild card round, divisional round, and then the, the championship round, hopefully. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot more advantages to uh, wanting that that buy and playing as hard as you can through it uh, until you absolutely mathematically can't do it. Yeah, and think about those games, too, that they lost. One, the Giants, uh, Chase Daniel was the quarterback there, and they almost won on the road, and they've had a lot of mistakes in that one, but they almost won that game. And then Miami, we were there. We saw it in person. There was just a bunch of missed tackles. The Bears should have won both those games. So it's not like there was, was, yes, a little bit of a layoff, but the Bears made mistakes in those games, and I think – yeah, there's a lot of factors into it. There was the weather in Miami, and then there's a backup quarterback in, in New York. So now this getting a first-round bye, playing in Chicago, you're hopefully you're not going to have those kind of complications that led to most likely that's why they lost. So that's, that's some things to just consider there as well. And even, too, when we look back at those games, uh, I mean, the Bears fought through adversity in both those. I especially look at Miami where they, they came back in the second half. Uh, and, you know, they forced it into overtime. Uh, so we know that, you know, they kind of started poor, couldn't tackle well, and they ended the same way, just didn't tackle very well. And that's ultimately led to Miami winning that game. Uh, but they didn't do it without fighting through adversity. And they, they tried their, their hardest to absolutely fight through it. So it's not like it's just a team that, that rolls over when they're on the road after a break or they just have a break in general. Uh, I mean, they, they know what they're up against. Uh, and especially going in the playoffs, you have to know you're up against uh, some of the best in the league, uh, let alone the, the division, the conference. So, I think that it would be a different story come playoff time. And regardless, I mean, they should still fight to get that by that bye week. Yeah, absolutely. We're both for getting that first round bye. And hopefully the Bears are still in contention after, you know, this week. And then hopefully the teams, uh, the Rams and Saints, you know, lose. That would uh, be put the Bears in a really good spot. So we're going to go to our second question of the night. And it's a two-parter. Here's your question. Hi, guys. This is Danny. I'm phoning from the U.K., um, I've been a listener for your podcast for the past two years or so now. Uh, really looking the direction it's, take, it's going in. Really like the new name. Brilliant. Um, I've got a couple of questions, really. Uh, the first one is uh, about Vic Fangio. Um, how difficult do you think it will be for the Bears to keep hold of him uh, after this season? He's had two monster seasons with the Bears. Absolutely amazing uh, defensive coordinator. Do you think he'll be in line for some head, head coach jobs at the end of this year? Um, especially given the way a lot of head coaches are going towards pass-heavy, offense-minded plays. And my second question and and remark is about Leonard Floyd. At at the beginning of the season, I had him down as a trade. I I thought he had a terrible start to the season. The Pats game, he was really poor. Um, Since then, he's been pro bowl contender. Um, So... I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on how you feel uh, Leonard Floyd has progressed and uh, compared to, especially compared to how he was last year as well. Um, really loving the show. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Take care. Daniel, that's a, a good question uh, because I, I think it's going to be hard to keep Vic Fangio, but I think if they, they go deep into the playoffs, I don't think he has any issue coming back. Uh, but as of right now, we've seen some some coaching vacancies open up already. It's not even not even Black Monday yet uh, around the league. And, you know, coaches have already fired their head coaches some. Some have fired their offensive coordinators already. Uh, some have fired their special teams coordinators. I'm sure there's been a defensive coordinator been let go by now, I'm sure. So Vic Fangio has got his options out there, and we know that teams are going to come after him. Uh, but I think – it's going to be easier for the Bears to keep Vic after this year's success, the immediate success. And I think that that's something that Matt Nagy kind of had in the back of his mind when he took the job. Uh, you know, like we have to show a lot of promise now 
in order to keep this guy because he's like you mentioned in your question, all the young coaches being hot commodities for their offenses. Uh, there's not really many hot commodities for a defensive, a young defensive coordinator. Uh, you don't hear about those. You know, you want it. A lot of people are, oh, they score points. They score points. Uh, but Vic Fangio is able to keep teams from doing that. And that is something that I think is very imperative for the Bears to keep. Whatever it takes to keep Vic Fangio here, I really hope that they pull out all stops for that one. Because uh, I, I think it will be difficult to keep men unless they go really deep into the playoffs, a championship game or a Super Bowl. If they, they lose in the wild card, maybe in the divisional round, depending how it goes, I think Vic might unfortunately see his way out the door. But that's a, a very good question. I'm interested to hear Nick's thoughts on this one as well before we get to your second question. Yeah, so actually, Brandon, I'm thinking it's the exact opposite for Fangio. And, I, you know, there's been reports saying that teams want to have looked into maybe wanting to hire him as a head coach. But here's my reason why I don't think that – I why ultimately I think he's going to be with the Bears. You know, he just signed this contract, but why he's going to be here for the longevity. Um, let's say he becomes a head coach, and he's going to want to hire – an up-and-coming offensive coordinator. That's what everybody's doing right now. Find the young guy who's going to be an offensive coordinator. But if that young offensive coordinator has success, guess what? He's most likely going to be the next head coach somewhere else because that's what everybody is doing. So I think teams will be looking for that offensive coordinator to be a head coach as opposed to a defensive guy right now. And the NFL right now goes – and the NFL has always gone through trends, whether it's play calling or whatever it may be. And I think that's the trend right now. Hire young offensive-minded guys so you can mold your young quarterbacks. And I think that if they hired Vic Fangio, that's the same kind of thing he's going to have to deal with, having to go coordinator through coordinator because – Guess what? These guys are going and being, you know, the head coaches somewhere else or having to go to a team that has a bad offense and try to elevate their play. So I think right now that's what the the league is kind of going towards, hiring these young offensive guys. And here's another thing with Vic Fangio and why I think he'll stay. He just got Khalil Mack. And Vic also played a huge part in getting Roquan Smith in this up in this last draft. So why would you want to leave? This is a unit right now for the Bears that could be special, like historically special. So you stay, you know, win a few Super Bowls, then you can go try and be a head coach. And that was my pitch to Vic Fangio to want to stay. Look, there's a bunch of great defensive players, and he has them playing at, you know, an elite level right now. I just don't see why you would want to change. Yeah, you have your opportunity to go and be the head guy, but what's wrong with being the guy of one of the best defenses that can that can maybe be one of the best defenses ever? I, I don't see the issue with that. Like When you think about maybe down the road, the 2018, 2019, 2020, 21 uh, Chicago Bears, yeah, they were historically great. You know who was the coordinator? Vic Fangio, of course, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So that's why I think that... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Yes, you know, there's been speculation that teams might want to come get them. But I think he's just looking at the, you know, the bigger picture here, thinking I can win some Super Bowls here. We have a young offensive-minded guy, Matt Nagy's in his first year, and we already clinched the NFC North. 
dang, this is way better than what I had in the John Fox era where, you know, last last year they won five games. So I think that, yes, there will be teams that maybe want him, but I think ultimately he's going to stay in Chicago. And hopefully that's the case. But, Daniel, to get to your second part of your question about Leonard Floyd, um, you know, at first – he wasn't playing well, and you're right. He wasn't playing well. I never thought that the Bears were going to trade him at any point, though. No way. Um, but just to hear my thoughts about him, he has really, really elevated his game in you know all aspects of it, whether it's you know rushing the quarterback, which is his main priority. He's just being able to do that more efficiently, and I think it really has to do with having that healthy right hand in the beginning. That was injured, and he actually talked about it in a – interview with man Jeff Joniak it was saying that he wasn't able to do a lot of the things that he normally could have done so now that he's fully healthy he has Cleo Mack beside him Akeem Hicks playing it you know both pro bowl levels and even Leonard Floyd's an alternate that's why we've seen the elevation of his play and that's why he's been able to sack the quarterback he had two last week against the Green Bay Packers actually he's been pretty good historically against Green Bay Packers which you you would love to have your players be good against a certain team that's the one but yeah he's just doing everything a lot better and thank goodness because early on it was a little scary we didn't know what Leonard Floyd was going to be and like he's had his health issues but he's played every game this season despite having that that broken right wrist or broken right hand. But what do you think, Brandon, uh, just about Leonard Floyd and, you know, where he was at the start of the season to where he's at now? I He's he's grown a lot. Uh, and the reason I say that, well, I wouldn't even say that he's he's grown. He's, he's grown a lot since last year. Um, I'll say that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but he, he's grown because, you know, obviously the broken hand. Uh, and someone else brought up a, on Twitter a very good point about how he still may not have been 100% from his knee injury that he suffered last year. Uh, as well so those are two uh, body limiting factors to his success that he didn't have early on Uh, so it's great that he's out there now uh, absolutely tearing it up and actually the picture that I love uh, is the one where Aaron Rodgers is getting sacked and Leonard Floyd's got his arm around him and everyone's like oh look at Aaron Rodgers face that's what happens when you get sacked by you know Monster Midway or whatever the the caption is but I look at Leonard Floyd's arms they're just huge (laughs) Like that that's something I think is very undervalued by him is his strength. I mean, next time you see that picture, take a look at his arms. They look like robotic, scary, like very toned, uh, kind of like really freaking strong kind of guy. And that's something when you look at him, he's just a lean, skinny guy. Uh, but then when you see you know that picture, it's like, well, this dude's like ripped. Uh so he's he's strong. That's an undervalued part of his game. And also, I mean, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna trade him because I mean he's a former first round pick. He brings a lot of value, brings a lot of speed. There's a lot of flexibility, uh, the strength, like I mentioned. I uh, still can't still can't get over that. I don't know why. Uh, but I he brings a lot to the table, and it's a good thing that he's he's back to the form that we know he can be. And like Nick, you know, Nick, you said it's good to have your player step up against a team that you really don't like. Yeah, exactly. And actually, Brad, you mentioned Leonard Floyd's arms, and that actually has its own Twitter account right now, where it's oh literally gosh. Leonard Floyd's arm. And, I, I wish this was a video podcast just so I could put it up there. The dude is, like you said, jacked. He's lean, but he is jacked. So if you want to follow that Twitter account, I, I it was just made. It's uh, <laughs> at low. It's at low flow arms. So you could definitely follow that. It has a picture of Aaron Rodgers yelling and Leonard Floyd's left arm draped all over him. And like I said, that that guy is jacked. So yeah, you could do that. But yeah, Leonard Floyd. Having uh, the season that he's had has really escalated uh, this Bears defense and made it one of the top units in the league because of how he's been playing as of late. 
So, Brandon, we're going to go to our third question of the night, and it comes from Tim. Tim, here's your question. Hey, Bears Brothers. Uh, Tim from Springfield, Wisconsin here up in Packerland. Uh, curious to what your guys' thoughts are on uh, Wayne Larrabee's comments calling Matt Nagy arrogant on some of his play calling uh, last Sunday during the Packers radio broadcast. Uh, keep up the good work. Go Bears. Tim, that's a that's a good question because prior to you asking this question, I actually didn't hear the comments from Wayne Larravee. And for those who may not know, Wayne Larravee is a play-by-play guy for the Green Bay Packers. And he made some comments during the, the broadcast about Matt Nagy's uh, play calling. And he mentioned that it was arrogant. And that specifically happened after the failed uh, fake punt. So that play actually happened on the Bears' first possession of the third quarter. And the Packers opened up. Half uh, the second half with a drive that ended with a field goal. It was a fourteen to six ball game at the time, and Rodgers in the offense clearly didn't have anything going for them. And Matt Nagy calls this fake punt. Look, I will say that I wasn't a fan of the call, uh, you know, especially because it didn't work. But it just didn't seem like it was the right time. But I think where Larravee kind of goes a little overboard, saying that it's arrogant, is because well, Matt Nagy has been—he's just being himself on that play. He, that's what he does. He calls these trick plays, and he's done it all season. So that goes back to what's on his play sheet, be you. So he didn't change from who he was. That's what he does. He's been running trick plays all season, and for the most part, they have worked. They really have. So not, and you just got to know that most of, you know, not all of these are going to work. Whoopie-doo. That happens. That's, I mean, the life of a play caller in the NFL. You're not going to make every right play call. But he thought he had a good opportunity to catch the Packers off guard, get a first down, keep his offense on the field. And like I said, it was a 14-6 ball game after the Packers scored a field goal on the opening drive of the second half. You extend, you send that drive. Who knows what ends up happening? It didn't work. But I like that Matt Nagy, you know, stayed to who he was. And look, we can disagree with the call, but at least he was he he stick to him, himself and his play calling. But the Bears still won, and I think – you know, Wayne Larravee just kind of went a little little overboard, was just in the moment, like most of us would be, seeing that, you know, it's a, a momentum-shifting play. But that's where I am with that. What do you think, Brandon, on, you know, Wayne Larravee calling Matt Nagy's play calling arrogant? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's something, a, a more-in-the-moment thing, because at an eight-point game at that point, I mean, I think Matt Nagy is really just trying to seal the game because it's still in reach. It's only eight points at that time in the game when he calls the play so that's still a one possession game so go ahead and run the fake if you want and like you said he's just being him he has it on his play sheet be you so that's exactly what Matt Nagy was doing being aggressive being himself I I almost expect something like that you know every game and I'm with you I didn't agree with the call especially at the time I kind of had a feeling that it was coming because we hadn't seen any trickery throughout the game yet Uh, I thought it was just a very uh, poor time, wrong place in the in the field to even call it. I think if you're going to do it, you got to be on the other side of the 50 to do something like that, especially in a one-possession game. Uh, so I, I wasn't a fan of it either, but to call it arrogant, I mean, he's just trying to seal the game. He's trying to get the Packers out of reach for the second half because uh, yeah. it's, it's still a one-possession game. And they ended up coming away with points as a big momentum switch. So I understand in the moment why he would say that, just speaking out of pure frustration, but the Packers end up with points. Packers actually ended up scoring 11 points, uh, I believe, in that quarter, and it, it worked in their favor. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's I wouldn't call it arrogant. He's trying to just put the game away. Yeah, and that, look, Matt Nagy's been calling trick plays all season, and 
you know, maybe the Packers just weren't expecting them to call a fake punt on their side of the field. So there's there's aspects of the play that make sense, and then there are aspects that don't. So, look, it didn't work. Matt Nagy's going to learn from it, but he's still just being himself. The Bears end up still winning. Uh, yes, I think the Packers actually scored a touchdown off of that. Look, it, it wasn't the right call, and he'll learn from it. That's easy, uh, easy as that, and then we'll see what ends up happening. So, Brandon, that's actually going to do it for our audio questions, but as usual, like we do every week, we have our Twitter questions, and we got a lot of great ones, so I just want to thank, again, everybody who called in and submitted, thank you so much, and then everybody who commented on that thread on that tweet that came out earlier this week, thank you for submitting questions, you made it pretty pretty tough to uh, definitely pick the, the right ones, or not the right ones, the best ones, to uh, answer for this portion, so we're just going to go ahead and get started, and our first Twitter question comes from Daniel Hodis. I hope I pronounced that last name right. Sorry if I didn't. And he asked, not paid if, to pronounce names. Yeah, we're not paid to pronounce names, <laughs> that's for sure. And he asks, if the Bears run the table, beat the Vikings again, beat the Rams again, go to New Orleans and win, claim the trophy in Atlanta against the Chiefs and Andy Reid, who's Matt Nagy's former mentor, and where historically does that put the Bears in the pantheon of greatness? Now, Brandon, I'm going to throw this over to you first. Where So the Bears do all of this. In Matt Nagy's first year as head coach with a second-year quarterback, where where, did the, where, is, where would this Bears team rank in you know the greatest teams that have ever played in Chicago? For, for the Bears. That storyline really helps the argument uh, as to where they would rank historically. Uh, amongst the Bears and even amongst the NFL. I mean, that that's a, a great storyline to follow. Uh, but, but, boy, is it tough to beat 85, I think, just the how bad they were beating on teams. And, and granted, this is Matt Nagy's first year as coach, uh, so he's still trying to get things figured out. We had some growing pains, quote-unquote. I mean, 10-4, and 4, I don't see a whole lot of growing pains in there, even though there were some. Uh, but I think uh, it, it's it's tough to beat 85. It is very tough to beat 85 because they weren't beating guys like they were then. Uh, they weren't quite, you know, limiting teams to what they were. And I, I, I if it's going to be a challenge to, to Vic Fangio to let them, you know, not score as many points and still let it be a challenge, it's definitely not a criticism of the way that they're playing now. I definitely want to get that straightened out that that's not a criticism. It's just where they rank in greatness. That's it's incredibly tough when people think of, of good defenses uh, in the NFL. What's the first one that always comes to mind? The 85 Bears. Always, no matter who you talk to, who they root for, it's always the 85 Bears as far as the best defense ever out there. Uh, and that, that really helped them just beat down opponents into the ground. Uh, so I, I think that that, as far as greatness, as far as his, the NFL historically within the Bears franchise, that the storyline puts the Bears in a, uh, this year's Bears in a, you know, second place, definitely. Uh, but 85 is is incredibly tough to beat, I think. Yeah, and look, Brandon, we weren't alive when the 85 no, we Bears weren't. were playing, but we know about them. We know as if like we, we were because of just the, the nostalgic, uh, you know, of that Bears defense. There's, you know, obviously 30 for 30s, and if you haven't seen the, the one on Buddy Ryan, go absolutely see it because you'll cry at the end of it because I definitely did. But look, we hear stories about that defense, and you see the highlights and what they were able to do, and they went 15-1. and one, And they in the Super Bowl, 46 to 10. I mean, that's outrageous. It was over before it even started. So that defense will live on forever. 
that will never go away. And look, you still have people dressed up as Ditka when they go to games, the super fans. That's never going away. So regardless if the Bears win the Super Bowl, they can win it maybe even 47 to 10, one better than the, the 85 <laughs> Bears. I just don't think you can eclipse that team. That Unless you go 16-0 and and are just dominant through the playoffs like they were and you know do something very similar, it will be – if this this team were to do what uh, what you said, Daniel, in your question, just run through, beat the Vikings, beat the Rams, go to New Orleans, beat them, and then you know claim the trophy as you said uh, against the Chiefs, they would still rank number two. Uh, I know there's a lot of circ- you know, a lot of factors in there, but I still think they would be ranked number two. Um, but still, that's that's a great place to be when you have the '85 Bears. It's just it's just history. It's it's a legendary team that probably won't be replicated again, just because of how you know how they they approached each game, how they finished each game. But like I said, that's not a bad thing. But hopefully, you know they could do you know a lot of those things that you said because that's a, <laughs> obviously a very it's an if question. If this happens, that happens, that happens. That's where they would rank, and you know. Like I said, we weren't alive, but we know so much about the 85 Bears and what that team means still to this city. So let's get another team that can mean, you know, close to or maybe even more for some. uh, Just a Super Bowl winning team is always great to have. Multiple are always great to have for a, a sports city. All right. The fifth question comes from good friend, uh, Winnie City Gridiron's uh, Bears Den dude. And great, we're all, yep, we are great friends with Windy, Windy City Gridiron. And the question is, uh, Ken asks, Joshua Bellamy has had a very solid year, both on special teams and as a wide receiver number four. Has he earned a multi-year deal yet? And to answer your question, Ken, I think he has. Look, uh, before uh, Brandon and I went live, I asked Brandon, uh, would you believe me that Joshua Bellamy only has 12 receptions on the year? And, you know, I was surprised to see it, and so was Brandon, because it seems like he's gotten more receptions than that this year, and maybe something's been a bad thing, maybe something's been a good thing, (laughs) but he's actually done pretty well this season. And say what you want about Bellamy, and we have all been, uh, you know, someone that's criticized his play, but the man has really stepped up his game big time. You know, just go last week to the Packers game. The second-to-last drive before halftime, Pat O'Donnell has a great punt, and who's there to, uh, you know, down the ball? Joshua Bellamy. It goes on the Green Bay two-yard line. The Green Bay Packers end up having a three and out, and the Bears get the ball next. On that next possession, uh, the Bears actually score uh, their second touchdown of the game. And on that drive, Trubisky connected with Bellamy on an 18-yard pass. So he's definitely improved as a route runner and especially as a pass catcher. That was always the thing. Bellamy could get open, but could he catch the ball? So he ran a nice route on that play, and he had a nice catch. And I think he is deserving of a multi-year deal. And I thought of Sherrick McManus, another special teamer, who at times now is being asked to play a more pivotal role on defense. So a contract similar to his might be the best bet. And what McManus signed for uh, in the offseason got an extension uh, worth two years, $3.5 million. I could see Joshua Bellamy getting something like that, maybe even a little more, because he's asked to do more than Sherrick McManus's, uh, you know, throughout the longevity of the season, play a little bit more on offense. So I can definitely see him and the Bears wanting to extend a guy. And look, he seems like a really good locker room guy. I know he talks a lot of smack, and he really does. And he gets in, uh, you know, the defense's uh, pictures when they score touchdowns. But he really is a guy that I think the Bears like having in the locker room. 
What do you think, Brandon? Joshua Bellamy, a guy that's been polarizing, a uh, polarizing figure here in Chicago. Do you think he earns a you know a contract extension extension at the end of the season? Uh, polarizing to say the least, because I think when we were kind of going through the positional breakdowns on who's going to make the team and who's not, I think we all had Josh Bellamy wanting slash expecting him to get cut. Uh, because he just drops all the easy passes. He makes all the hard ones, which is weird, but he just can't focus on the easy ones. you got to be able to make those prove something, you know, and this and that. And then you see the catch, like you said, against Green Bay, where he stretches out full extension, uh, makes that catch in a pivotal point in the game. Uh, yeah, that's a guy that you want around. And especially, like you said, he's a very good special teamer. I uh, was there down the ball at the two-yard line. Uh, great locker room guy. He's the DJ at Club Dub, apparently. Uh, you know, he does a lot of great things for this team that go unnoticed. His impact feels a lot bigger than those 12 receptions that he's had. You know, it seems like he's always on the field, even on defense. Well, because he is on the field on defense with all the celebrations, but he's <laughs> he's always always around the ball, always his impact just feels better. If for some reason I keep spotting him on like when he's out there as a receiver, uh, than I do some of the other guys sometimes. I don't know why, but like his impact just feels so much bigger than those 12 receptions. Uh, so for that reason, yeah, I think he's definitely earned himself a multi-year deal. And if you were to ask me that question uh, four or five months ago, I'd have told you no. I didn't think he was even going to make the team. So I think it's it's great, uh, especially that Matt Nagy's brought this out of Josh Bellman, gotten the most out of this guy. Now we see what he actually can do and the big impact that he's leaving on games and on the season. Yeah, and, it, you know, that's great to see because that's a lot dealing with the coaching helping him out to get the you know his full potential out and he's really changed that perception um for himself around the city of Chicago and I think fans and I think if people are still complaining about Josh Bellamy you really got to go back and reevaluate yourself because he's played a lot better and has been on like you said all around you know whether it's on offense special teams and like we said in the defense's photos when they're celebrating he's always around at some place at some time and with that being said He's, I think, earned himself a contract extension at the end of the season. All right, Brandon, we're going to go to our sixth question of the night, and it comes from Sid Kenyon, and he asks, this team is really good this year. Yet anyone who wasn't named Adam or part of the Chicago Audible predicted 7-9 and nine like our coach was Jeff Fisher or something. When are you guys going to gloat about your Bears prediction? Well, it's going to happen right now. It's going to happen right now. So I went back and checked on the um, – a preview that we did earlier on the season. So five members of the Chicago, well, you know what it was before, but what it is now, the Chicago Audible, uh, five members had nine wins, one member had eight wins, and three had seven wins. Not going to say who had seven, but I will say that I had nine. But they've already exceeded that. They have. So um, I guess when we were making those predictions, uh, there was a lot of factors that came into it, and that obviously happened before Khalil Mack. So... You know, had that have happened, who knows where our predictions would be. But we all had, I think, for the most part, you know, the, this X. We well, there was these expectations that we didn't even know because Matt Nagy, he was the X factor, and all these new kind of components in there with the offense. We knew what the defense was going to do, but we did have high, you know, higher expectations than I would say most for for this Bears team, and they've exceeded all of ours. Nobody had them at 10 wins. Nobody had them win the NFC North or just winning, getting into the playoffs. Nobody did. Um, but, Brandon, what do you what do you think about this? I think we did overall as a staff a pretty good job. Sure. I would. I think I was one of those guys that had them at seven, uh, not, to throw my, <laughs> not to throw anyone under the bus, but I had them, I had them at seven uh, because, like you said, there were a lot of uh, factors that we didn't have going into week one. 
Uh, so this prediction was pre Khalil Mack. Had I known we were going to have Khalil Mack, I'd have pegged him at nine. No, no problem. I think he's that much of a game changer. He can add two wins, I think, to a win column. Uh, we didn't know what to expect with the offense. Like you said, we didn't know what Mitch was going to do in his second year. Uh, we didn't know what kind of impact Tariq Cohen was going to have, if the coach is actually going to use him because, you know, the old regime didn't use him at all, which is looking back at it, it's really sad. You know, they missed a great opportunity there. Uh, we knew that the defense was going to be good. Uh, again, pre-Cleo Mack. Uh, I mean, now he opens the door for so many other guys to have a bigger year. Uh, and have a bigger impact on games. That's why the front seven is so dominant. Uh, so I'll, I'll eat my seven and nine uh, because I was keeping my expectations mild and tempered. I had a feeling it was going to be an improvement. Uh, I didn't think by this much, and I will happily admit that I was was wrong, and I'm glad that they're proving me wrong because uh, if it had been anything less uh, than seven and nine or eight and eight, then it would have been a really disappointing year, I think, seeing now all the talent that we have uh, in it's it's just amazing. I'm I'm filled with happiness for this. I'm glad I was wrong, you know. So I I wish I could gloat about my record, but I was one of those guys uh, who didn't know what we had as a coach. I definitely didn't think he was a Jeff Fisher. Just want to throw that out there. But I, I predicted him at seven and nine, and I will happily eat my words on that one. Yeah, nobody knew what this team was capable of, and like I said, they've exceeded all of our expectations. And Brandon, this wouldn't be audio mailbag podcast. Without a question, from at Super Hippo MWR, and always, always submits a whole bunch of them. And I just want to end it, you know, end this podcast on you know a, a uh, creative and uh, different kind of question, not football related. But what is everyone's? And the question is, what is everyone's favorite Christmas tradition, food, treat slash movie? So I'll start this off. Uh, my favorite Christmas tradition, and we do this as well for Thanksgiving. Too, but uh, my family likes to play Risk, and we do it every you know those big holidays. And if you guys were listening to a previous mailbag podcast, uh, I know we mentioned that I actually uh, won the trophy. There's a Risk trophy, and I have that, so that's going to be moving with me to my aunt's house, and hopefully, I can you know defend my title as Risk champion and conquer the world again. But that's what I like. We we do every uh, you know Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then to answer your question about food, on Christmas we always eat uh, pozole, and if you don't know that that's a soup from Mexico and it has hominy, which are you know kernels made from corn, and it, there's meat in there. So giving you a background on some food that we eat, and then treats. Man, I love my brownies. My mom makes the best brownies, and we always have them on these on uh, holidays and especially on Christmas. And then my favorite movie, I love watching Elf, and whenever we're on every single Christmas. A Christmas story is playing the entire time. It my uncle does not change the channel. It's always on on repeat. Doesn't matter how many times it's gone through, it's going to play the entire time. And you know, doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, I'll always sit down and watch you know parts of it. And then most likely I'll watch one part when it's playing one time. And then as the nights goes on, I just catch. I just happen to watch it at a different point, but it's a different, completely different movie. Uh, but it's still, I'm able to watch almost the entire thing just watching it at different times in the night. But what about you, Brandon? What do you guys do for Christmas? Uh, tradition, food, treats, and a movie? Uh, first of all, I want to throw in a little uh, fun tidbits of information uh, about a Christmas story because it was based in a town in northwest Indiana. Oh. Uh, so the uh, town was Hammond. He calls it something else in the movie to uh, keep it simple because Hammond, I think, is a little harder to pronounce uh, or keep it straight, whatever. Uh, but the, the favorite part that I love in that the movie when his dad's sitting down reading the newspaper, you know, oh, the, the 
Lone Ranger's son's nephew's horse or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, he's reading the newspaper and he goes, oh, well, the White Sox traded whoever. And <laughs> they go, oh, that's real news. And he goes, oh, and some clod hopper from Griffith, Indiana. I'm like, I drive through there every day going to work. So that's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, and I've, I've also been on Cleveland Street, not not up in Hammond, uh, but I drive on Cleveland Street to get to and from the office uh, every day. So pretty cool that I can you know experience part of the movie. Uh, not my favorite Christmas movie, but my second favorite Christmas movie that I can uh, you know relate to some of these places. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but favorite Christmas tradition, I'm going to kind of tie this in with with food um, because my grandma makes this amazing monkey bread, and I love waking up Christmas morning and having a big bowl of monkey bread there to just eat first thing in the morning, just start chowing down on that. You have it throughout the whole entire day. Cause if you eat the whole thing, you know, in one sitting, you're going to end up sick. That's a lot of bread <laughs> and it's a lot of cinnamon. So, uh, that that's also my favorite food as well. Uh, treat. Mm, that one's kind of tough. Cause I guess I could throw monkey bread in there again, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, favorite treat. My grandma also makes really good brownies. Uh, so it's hard to pass those up. You got to have those every time she makes them. If you don't, I mean, I, it, it's very frowned upon if you don't have one. <laughs> uh, but then my favorite Christmas movie, uh, and the Bears paid a very good homage to this movie, homage, homage, whatever it is, uh, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I could quote that whole movie for you without even having it on the TV. I've seen it so many times. We can make so many references to it, not just around Christmas, but all year round. Uh, but the Bears uh, paid great tribute to Clark Griswold uh, when he's going and plugs the lights in for his house and then it shows clubbed up, which is absolutely awesome. So I was, I was a big fan of seeing that, that, that made my day when I first seen that. So I, that's also my favorite Christmas movie. That's just so relatable to lots of other times of year, not just Christmas. So that's kind of what a Christmas day looks like for me. That's awesome. And you mentioned monkey bread and I have not had monkey bread. in God knows how long. And guess what? I'm going to make sure there's some kind of monkey bread somewhere on Christmas because there you man, go. I missed how I mean, how good that tastes. That's so good. Yes. Yeah, so it that is definitely mixed in with the treat. But I had to had to change it up just for, you know, diversity's sake. Not yeah. to get the same answer for all three, but <laughs> monkey bread, monkey bread, favorite movie uh, <laughs> you know, with monkey bread. That's awesome, though. So you got to know a little bit uh, about what we do on Christmas. And, you know, once this video goes on YouTube, comment on your favorite tra uh, Christmas tradition, food, treat, and movie. We love to see what our fans like uh, to do on Christmas Day as well. But that's going to conclude this episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast. But before we head off, we just want to make sure you guys know how to get your question on the next one for next week. It's all you got to do. It's simple. It's called 872-240-4007. And that number, again, is 872-240-4007. Just call, leave your name, and where you're from, and then we'll shout you out on the podcast because we love to hear where all of our fans are from. And, again, there's another podcast. There's a couple more podcasts later in the week. We're going to preview the game tomorrow, Bears 49ers. So make sure you tune in for that one, 6.30 Central Time, tomorrow on Thursday. You're not going to want to miss it. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.